Thank you, choir and orchestra. There was a woman who became ill, went into the hospital, members of the church, began to come and visit her and minister to her. There was the deacon who came and said, well, there must be some sin in your life for you to be ill here in the hospital. A lady came in and said, well, God doesn't want you to be sick, so just claim your healing. And then a man in the church who was known as being the spiritual man said, just begin praising God for your illness and next thing you know, you're going to be well. The pastor came by and he said, God has allowed you to have this sickness so you will be able to encourage others when they are ill. I think that most people minister with good intentions, but we also acknowledge that some people are probably better at ministry than others. One of the things I love about this church is that this is a ministering church. I have people oftentimes who visit First Baptist and they are surprised, they say, at how friendly, compassionate, caring this church is because it is a large church and they say I'm just surprised that a large church would be that compassionate and my response normally is do you think it would have become a large church had it not been compassionate and caring this is a ministering church we minister to children and we have so many children that we categorize them according to what they do we have the cradle roll, those who just lie there in the cradle, the babies. Then we have the toddlers, those who toddle around the rooms. And then we have the biters and the jumpers and the pinchers and all the others. So we have so many children that we have to categorize them according to what they do. But we minister to them. We have Sunday school teachers who teach them the Word of God. We have Awana who help them memorize the Word of God, and we have choirs who help them sing the Word of God. So this is a church that ministers. We minister to children. We minister to students. Let me say I, I sincerely believe that we have the best students of any church, anywhere, anytime. I love the young people in our church. Jake, lest you look smug, there are an exception or two. <laughs> but we love the students in our church and minister to them. There's Bible study for them, choirs for our youth, camps, and then for those who have the potential of leadership, they are involved in Student Leadership University. I don't know if you know it or not, but we have a number of students in our church when they are freshmen in high school, they go to Orlando, and there they are exposed to Christian businessmen so they understand how business and Christianity work together. The second year, they go to Washington, D.C., and there they are exposed to Christian politicians. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it isn't. <laughs> but they learn about politics and Christianity. The third year, they go to Oxford, and Normandy to learn about the sacrifice that our country, that our people have made for the freedoms that they enjoy. And then the fourth year they go to Israel. It's a wonderful program 
and so many of our students have been through it. But the point is that we have a lot of students in our church and our church ministers to them. We also minister through missions. As we give to the cooperative program, as we give to international missions, home missions, locally there's the free clinic, the soup kitchen and so forth. We have people in Builders for Christ. They go to other places and help build buildings. So today I want to speak to you about principles for ministry. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17 beginning in verse number 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he, Elijah, rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink it. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household Ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. If you are a Christian, I think that you have a desire in your heart to minister to people. And I think that authenticates to the people outside the church, outside the family, that we are truly Christians. When, when they look to us and ask the question, are these people Christian? They don't make the judgment based on our singing, our attendance, those things. They make the judgment based on how we treat other people. Do we minister to other people? So I want to share some interesting principles with you about ministry. The first principle is that we often minister to unlikely people. In other words, we minister usually to people who are not like us. And certainly that was true of the widow of Zarephath and Elijah. There was nothing about them that was similar. For instance, she was from Sidon. That was the home of Jezebel who wanted to kill Elijah. She was a Gentile, not a Jew. In fact, Jesus pointed that out in Luke chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. But I say to you in truth, there were many many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. 
So when we look at the widow, we look at the woman. She was from Sidon. She was from an area that wanted to kill Elijah. He was an unlikely candidate for her ministry. There were political differences. He was hated by her country. They had been suffering from a drought for three and a half years. They believed that it was Elijah's fault. So there were political differences. There were religious differences. He was a worshiper of Jehovah. She was a worshiper of Baal. So when we look at them, we see that they were very unlikely. She was a widow in a land that wanted to kill Elijah. She worshiped Baal. He worshiped Jehovah. And yet she ministered to him. An unlikely candidate, but she ministered to him. We see that same principle at work when Jesus ministered to the woman at the well. He was a Jew, she was a Samaritan. Now that might not be a significant difference as far as you're concerned, but the Bible says in John 4, 9, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Well, that is to be very kind. The fact is they couldn't stand each other. When a Jew was going on a journey and came to the land of Samaria, even though it might be longer, he would detour around Samaria so as not to set foot on the unholy sod of Samaria. They couldn't stand each other. She was also a known sinner in her community. So here's a woman Jesus is going to minister to. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew. She was a known sinner. The Bible says in John 4, 18, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, but Jesus ministered to her. Isn't that unusual? Here is a woman who was a known sinner. She was a Samaritan, but Jesus ministered to her. Let me give you another example. How about Naaman, the military man who was a leper? and the little slave who worked in his household. Now he had leprosy, and the little slave girl said to him, there is a man in my country named Elijah. If you can just get to Elijah, he will heal you of your leprosy. So he was the master, she was the slave, and yet she ministered to her master. Folks, the fact of the matter is, if we minister, usually we minister to people who are not like us. We have a ministry to the homeless where they feed the homeless once a month here on Paul and his, uh, his crew do that. It's really interesting if you've not been there because when you, when you see those who are there, I look out and there are lawyers and business people and so forth and yet they're reaching out and ministering to people who are homeless, people who are unlike them. We give to share the gospel through missions with people whose government hates us, people who are not like us. So the first principle, if you're going to minister, you have to understand this. The first principle is that you minister to unlikely people. If you're going to minister, you will minister to unlikely people in most cases. The second principle is we minister out of limited resources. And certainly that was true with the widow of Zarephath. Look at verse number 12. 
But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. She did not have enough for herself and her son, much less for Elijah. She was poor. Philip Keller wrote, she was apparently too poor to procure fuel for herself from the dealers of the town. So in shame and humility, she had gone into the country to collect what stick she could to fuel the last fire she thought she would ever need to make. It was the end for her and her son. Elijah's drought had done its deadly deed. The famine had finished off her family. So what I want you to see, this woman who ministers to Elijah, she had limited resources. Not enough for herself and her son. Limited resources. She was without hope. The only hope she had was the prospect of death. As far as she was concerned, this was the Last Supper. She and her son would eat this meal and that would be it. And yet she ministered, verse 15. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. The point is, is that she ministered and she did so out of limited resources. You see that same spirit in the New Testament with the Macedonians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, Paul wrote, In a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. The Macedonians had a limited source of income, deep poverty. You and I, unless we've seen it somewhere else, do not understand what that means here. I can, uh, Eric and I were talking, his church, Village Church, uh, has a ministry in Haiti, and so they go over every year in Haiti and uh, minister there. He had come home, and he and I were talking, and he was telling me about the poverty of the country, how incredibly poor it was. He said the, the people struggle not from check to check, but from meal to meal, that kind of poverty. You and I don't understand that kind of poverty. We talk about poverty, but we don't understand that kind of poverty. That's what you're talking about here. In fact, Eric told me, he said when he had gotten back, he had just gotten back from Haiti and he was just so touched by the poverty and the suffering and the lack of opportunity that was there. And he said he got a call. He said there was a lady who called him and said she needed to come by the church and get some money for her, herself. He said, let me ask you a question. Are you calling from your cell phone? She said, yes, I am. He said, lady, you caught me on a bad day. We don't understand that kind of poverty. Well, that was the kind of poverty of the Macedonians. They were poor, living from meal to meal. And yet the Bible says that they gave liberally to minister to the needs of others out of their deep poverty. You know, our church is like that. First Baptist Church has limited resources, and yet our church gives liberally. Why is that? Have you ever wondered? Why is that? 
Some years ago, Bailey Smith had, was in evangelism. He had preached a revival at a, a very wealthy church in Dallas. And he was talking to me about it. He said it was a very small offering, which surprised him. He said, but you know what? I learned something there. I said, what was that, Bailey? He said, I learned it's not rich people who give. It's God's people. Whether they are rich or whether they are poor, it's God's people who give. You give liberally of your time. We just enjoyed the uh, celebration of liberty, but I always think about that, Steve. When we sit here and enjoy and, and celebrate our country, I'm thinking about for weeks, our choir has been here preparing for that giving liberally of their time. We have volunteers in this church, and you hear about them occasionally, but it's people who come up here every week and they paint and they work and they fix things and they literally have saved this church hundreds of thousands of dollars as they give liberally of their time. We have Sunday school teachers who give liberally of their time. And while we're watching whatever it is that we're watching on Saturday night and they are praying for their class and preparing that lesson so that they can minister to their people, give liberally of their time. Our people give liberally of their talents. There's been many times when I've had someone in the choir said, you know, I don't have a great voice, but I just want to participate in this ministry. That, that is the liberal giving of one's talent. You might not have a liberal talent, but you have talent and and want to give liberally of it. And then out of limited resources, we give financially. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is a brief story. It's about the widow who gave two mites, and Jesus is speaking about her. That was about a fourth of a cent. She gave two mites, and Jesus commended her. Why did he commend her? Because he said that the others gave out of their surplus, but she gave all that she had. And so he commended her for her sacrificial giving. There are so many people, and I'm humbled by it, there are so many people in our church who give sacrificially. We were having a building campaign once, and I don't remember which one it was, because you know, ours is forever we build. You know, we, we, when we get through with one, we do another one. So I don't remember which one it was. But I remember that we were raising, building, we were raising money for some program, and there was, a, there was an envelope in the offering plate that came to me. And so I opened it up and looked. There were two little gold earrings in it and a note. And the note said, this is all I have. But I want to give something. And I thought to myself, you know, the Lord in heaven saw that as probably the largest gift that was given. Giving out of our limited resources. If we minister, we minister out of limited resources. The third principle is we give what we have to receive what we need. Paul wrote, whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Now look at verse number 13. Then Elijah said to her, do not fear, go do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterward, you may make one for yourself and for your son. Now, what was it she needed? Food. What was she asked to give? Food. She needed food. She was asked to give food. 
Now, to do that requires overcoming some things. First of all, we have to overcome fear. That's the reason he said in verse 13, do not fear. You see, fear keeps us from giving. Fear keeps us from ministry. Sometimes it's racial fear. You know, we are, we are sometimes uncomfortable about ministering and reaching out to people of other races because we're uncomfortable with them, and so we have to overcome that fear. Sometimes we fail to share the gospel with someone of a different religion because we are uncomfortable doing so. The point is that you're going to, in order to do this, you have to overcome some things, and one of them is fear. We have to overcome fear to do that. We also have to overcome selfishness. Elijah said to the woman, make me a little bread cake from it first. Now, what would you have said? I asked myself that question. Here I am starving to death. Maybe I have enough food left to give something to my son and myself. And here this clown comes in from somewhere telling me to feed him first. What would you have said? I think, You've got to be kidding me. I'm, I'll tell you what, we'll go ahead and eat. If there's something left over, you can have it. But he said, make something for me first. You see, the truth is we have to overcome selfishness if we are going to minister and give. I had a, an uncle, I'm still aggravated at it. He's, even though he's deceased, I'm still a little aggravated with it. I hadn't been in the ministry very long. And we were talking about the church, and, and he said, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not giving my money to that church. I work hard for it. Best I can remember, I was Christian about it. But my response was, well, keep it. You know, do you think that God actually needs your money? Now, that's not the reason that we give, but we have to overcome selfishness. If we're going to minister to others, we always have to overcome selfishness. So, we give what we have to receive what we need. So, the Bible says in Luke 6, 38, give... And it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap. For by your standard or of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So look at verse 15 now. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah. She gave what she had and received what she needed. That's a blessing to me in here. She gave what she had to receive what she needed. So I ask you a question. What do you need? What do you need? You need a friend? Well, be a friend. You give what you need. Some of you say, well, I just don't have any friends. What's your fault? If you want a friend, then be a friend. The Bible says in Proverbs, he who would have friends must show himself friendly. What do you need? Do you need someone to love you? Well, then love somebody. You'll be surprised. There are a lot of people out there waiting for somebody to love them. And if you love them, then they're going to love you back. Finances, is that your need? And that's what you give. I'm... Uh, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. And let me make that clear. I do not believe in the prosperity gospel. And as I was listening to Ellen's testimony that she gave a while ago, I thought that's what I believe, exactly what she said. You see, 
we don't give to force God to give back to us. We simply are obedient to God. There are a lot of people who think that if I give something, then God is required to give back to me. No, I believe that we give and God takes care of things, whatever that means. I just believe that. But the point is, is that we give what we have to receive what we need. So what do you need? Then that's what you give. Fourth, we minister to man to receive from God. Now this woman gave to Elijah and she received back from God. Look at verse 16. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty because of the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now, here was a woman and she had a need she gave, and the Lord met her need. She gave to Elijah and God met her need, her provision. But you know what was neat about it? Later, her son became ill and died. And she told Elijah, and Elijah raised him from the dead. It is a marvelous thing to me, an incredible thing to me, that we give what we need in order to receive what we need. When we give, then God, when we minister to other people, then we receive back from God. You are people who minister to those in need. Where there's hurt, you seek to heal it. Where there's need, you seek to meet it. And when we give to others, we receive from God. I really believe that. When we give, when we minister to others, we receive from God. Presently, Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30, Peter said to the Lord, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus, look, we have gotten, we have left it all to follow you. And Jesus said to him, he shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. I think that everyone who walks with the Lord would confirm the truth of that. You see, when we give as God leads us, when we minister as God leads us, then the Lord blesses us now, and then he says, and in the age to come. In the age to come. Let me conclude. God is a compassionate God. That's his nature. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Friends, I want you to know that God understands you and he cares about you. He is a compassionate God. As his children, we also are to be compassionate. If we are the children of God and our Heavenly Father is compassionate, then we also are to be compassionate. Therefore, we minister. But ministry requires faith. To give to those with needs requires a faith that God will meet your need. Do you believe that? I'm not asking you to respond to it because I expect you to live it. And I think that we do. Whatever we believe, we live. Do you believe that? If you do, then you minister. And we minister to people who are unlike us. We minister out of limited resources. And we give to others and minister to others to receive from God. And ladies and gentlemen, the motivation for it all is love. 
The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The reason God gave his only son to die for us is because of his love. And the same thing is true with us. When you and I love, we want to minister to the needs of others. Our gracious Father and God, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. I thank you for the lesson that it teaches us. And Father, I pray that when people see us individually, that they will conclude that we are people of God because we minister to the needs of man. And Lord, we know that as we do, that you then minister to us. I pray, Father, for this invitation time and ask your blessings upon it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. We extend an invitation. God does love you. And if you've never invited Christ into your heart, I encourage you to today. Someone would love to talk with you. A staff member would love to pray with you. If you come and commit your life to him. If you're looking for a church home, you want to be a part of this family, we'd love to have you. You come. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do.